Hello and welcome to the 19th edition of the Far Away Friars podcast. My name is Beso and I'm joined by Omar. How is your day going, Omar? It's going pretty well. Well, that's good to hear. It has not been going quite as well for the Padres, but we wanted to record tonight and be as optimistic as we possibly can, given the circumstances. They just came off of a loss tonight against the Giants. There are 10 games left in the season. The Padres are currently six games out in the NL wildcard. But I wanted to focus on what we can work on from today to the end of the season and some other fun topics tonight. So we didn't get, so we don't get dragged down with uh, all of the crazy and kind of negative energy around the club. Have you watched a good amount of September Padres baseball? Uh, Omar, not really. <laughs> well, uh, it it's not so much that they've been bad. Uh, I did uh, listen to Joe Musgrove's complete game shutout. That was a good game to listen to. Yeah, uh, I couldn't watch it obviously because of MLB blackout restrictions. Uh, but beyond that, I haven't had much of a chance to just watch or listen because I've been busy in my own life, and also watching the Padres the way they are right now. Can you really blame me for not watching them? You know, I can't. And you know, the Padres the last two nights have have gotten a lot of fight in them. And they they came back from being down eight one at one point to come all the way back to eight six and lose. Last night they had four solo shots, and they lost it at the end. And I I'm thinking to myself, wow, the Padres are losing, but they're losing really close now. And I was saying the same thing during the Cardinals series, and that's that's not that's not a good indicator of where we're going. It's not really. <laughs> uh, I think I saw someone on the subreddit say, wow, they're finding new ways to lose. Uh, are we just the Mets, but on the West Coast? Well, we were we were heavily favored to do well and make the playoffs and, you know, make several rounds in the playoffs. We have a lot of big transactions recently. So, yeah, we're the Mets because we have the same amount of success recently as well. Hey, hey. As mm-hmm. as long as they're also losing, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I think I mentioned before, I have a good friend who's a Mets fan. Uh, we always talk shit to each other. Uh, so, you know, knowing he's not going to the playoffs either brings warmth to my heart. Well, that's good. I wanted to point this question at you. The Padres are six games out with 10 to play. What do you think the Padres can do? How many games do they need to win to make the playoffs? So we're talking like only Padres. Doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Well, you can do both. You can say, well, we need this and we also need this to happen. You know, my answer is basically the same for both. Uh, We need to win everything. All 10 games. We need to somehow find a win. Given our current form, mm, but I mean, if we want a chance, mm-hmm. even the slowest one, we have mm-hmm. to you. We have to do our part and win these games. Uh, yeah, you know, we kind of put ourselves in this hole. So if we want to dig out of it, we got to do essentially the impossible. 
Now, would you say then the final 10 games we need to win all of them? Yes. Okay. The Padres have gone 2-8 and eight in their last 10 with a five-game losing streak. The Cardinals, who are the number one team in the second wildcard spot, I probably could have said that better, they're the team that the Padres would have to catch. They have won 11 games in a row. And, of course, that means in the last 10, they're 10-0. In my opinion, the Padres would have to win every single game of these last 10 here to make the playoffs. And even then, they will need some help. Because for St. Louis to all of a sudden, you know, not be doing as well, they'll need some help there. One of the Reds and Phillies will probably need to lose a few more games as well. Because the Padres will now need to jump three teams. It's extremely unlikely, but the Padres don't have any games against those three teams right now. So they have to just beat up on the Braves, uh, Giants, and Dodgers, I believe, in the last three series San Diego has after we're recording on Wednesday. So there'll be that's the end of the Giants series right now, I believe. Yes. Yeah. I'm like that. So, yeah, we're both in agreement there. We need to see 10 wins in a row from the Padres. If you want to make the playoffs, we're not eliminated yet. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> we can hold that to ourselves at least. We're not eliminated yet. Actually, they do play one more against the Giants tomorrow at one o'clock. Yeah, the starts then. Uh, this this podcast will be posted after that game for sure, so we'll know if they won that game by the time you listen to it. <laughs> now, with everything that's happened this season. Not getting too into just the sheer awfulness of recent. I wanted to know what you thought of Jace Tingler and what you think just right now is going to happen to him at the end of the season. So I, hung, I have on several occasions defended Jace Tingler. You know, mm-hmm. he by all means, he's not the worst manager in the world. But in terms of just having someone who can make the decision to help us win games, he just hasn't been there for us, I feel. And, you know, uh, one thing that a lot of people uh, have issue with just Tingler, you know, uh, you know, other than like bullpen management or lineup, weird lineup decisions or whatever, it's simply (laughs) like him being very. uh, How do I say this? Passive, you know, just not being like either extremely reactive, uh, you know, emotional or whatever, or uh, hell, just you know, being a total pain in the ass. He's just kind of being nothing. He's, you know, a lot of people see him as not doing anything to try to get the clubhouse, you know, to be unified towards one goal. He's just kind of there, you know. Honestly, we as podcasters, we as Padres fans, have no idea what's going on in the put and the in the clubhouse. So, you know, who knows? Maybe the, all the players love Jay Singler. Maybe they hate his guts. Maybe they don't care. Who knows? But my point being, because of just how the season has gone and just the uh, the amount of, like, apathy slash hatred just, you know, the fan base is feeling right now, I think Tingler's walking after this season. Okay. 
And before I get into mine, what do you think of Preller, AJ Preller? Do you think he has a chance of being fired, or do you think he's going to be the one to hire the next Padres manager? There's a there's a chance. I I can understand why they would fire him. You know, because like since 2014, he's only made the playoffs once, and that was in the shortened season. Uh, but at the same time, you can argue, you know, hey, might not be the best time right now to hire another GM who will probably blow the, you know, blow up the ship, maybe. Uh, so I think Preller is fine on the condition that he sees out this window of talent that we have right now, and also that whoever he chooses to be the next manager, in the event that Tingler is likely fired, you know, that manager is a lot more successful. Uh, basically, being uh, if his the next manager flops, then Tingler's not, not Tingler. Tingler's going. Preller is definitely going if the next manager flops. Okay, I agree with a, a good amount on Tingler, where it's like individually, I don't think he was the source of all the Padres' problems. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything maybe stylistically that's just like horribly wrong with how he's managing. Like we don't have something very directly to complain about him, which makes it a little bit harder, I guess, to figure out what's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Because it seems to be going wrong in so many different ways. It's not just one thing. And because of that, I think the problem with Tingler is actually that he doesn't know how to handle these guys and kind of turn it around and flip the flip the ship, you know, and sort of motivate them. And I think there's just ob- obviously like no way that he stays after this season. They got rid of the pitching coach and that was kind of like trying to find a scapegoat, trying to find something and that didn't work. So now the answer has to be for Tingler. Because you can't just get rid of all the players, of course. Because it's been so many of the players underperforming, not just one guy that you can point it out with. Absolutely. As far as Preller, I think it's going to be very interesting what the Padres' ownership feels like about him. Because Preller is like the first GM in my lifetime that has been willing to spend money and willing to make kind of kooky and crazy deals. And Padres fans aren't very used to that. So they just kind of assumed that Preller was this amazing god, where in reality, I think it's a lot of ownership finally giving a GM the access to be able to make crazy moves. Mm-hmm. I think Preller is going to stay, but I've said this before, as with the pitching coach, where I'm very worried that Preller is going to pick somebody that he already knows. And I think if the ownership sees that he does that again, I, if I was in ownership, if I was in the president of baseball operations, I guess, which would be the higher up over Preller, I would be very cautious because Hold on, isn't Predator, AJ Preller literally the president of baseball operations? Well, shit. I don't know. Let me look it up. <laughs> yes, president of baseball operations and general manager. 
Okay, then. So he <laughs> does. He does. Um, he only answers to the ownership. Okay, yeah. There's vice president. Right. Okay, yeah. I'm looking up their executives right now. Wow. So <laughs> the problem with getting rid of Preller then is that you'd have to hire a new general manager and a new president of baseball operations, which is a very tough task to do in one off season. And the Padres probably don't want to open that up just yet. You're right. They'll probably let Preller, whoever he hires, they'll probably do that and kick it down the road another two years to see what happens. I don't think that's necessarily the wrong move. My next question would be, if you fire Tingler, do you have anybody in mind just right now that the Padres should bring in? So I'll be honest, I'm not too familiar with any other managers, mm-hmm. just generally in baseball. Like, uh, if this was like soccer mm-hmm. or, you know, football, if you want to be uh, Titanic about it, uh, you know, I'd I'd be like, oh, I know this guy or this guy is in managing team right now or this guy could leave his mm-hmm. team. Like, you know, it's always a carousel. Uh, and, you know, baseball, I feel like it's the same way when it comes to managers. Um. There's a lot of talk of, uh, correct me, his name is uh, Bocci, I think his name is. Oh, you're going to get some comments from that. Bocci. Bruce Bocci. Bocci? Bocci. Bocci. It looks like Bocci to me. I am very sorry. Uh, I've only been a Padres fan for about a year. (laughs) Uh, Can't call me a bandwagoner now because I'm sticking with the ship (laughs) even if it's sinking. Yeah, so... uh, so, uh, what was it again? Uh, Bochi. Bochi. Uh, Bruce yes, Bochi? Bruce Bochi. Yes. Uh, who was the last manager of a Padres team to take us to the World oh, Series, Bruce right? Bochi was a player on the team that made the World Series in 1984. And then okay. he was also a longtime manager, which included the 98 World Series team. You're correct. Yes. So, uh, from what I've heard, there's a lot of talks of him coming out of retirement to possibly coach mm-hmm. the Padres. Uh, I I know that's a popular pick for many like older fans. I can understand that. Uh, as a you know, uh, quick-witted uh young youngster, <laughs> never saying that again. Um, <laughs> if I have to say, if I have to choose Preller's if I had to choose Preller's replacement, uh, I should anyways. Uh, <laughs> if I had to choose Ching- Tingler's replacement, uh, the one thing I want to definitely do is make sure that it is someone completely new. One, maybe completely new to the organization, or two, at the very least, someone that Preller hasn't necessarily worked with before. Because I feel like we can't really go down the road of just choosing this guy you met one time. And then sticking him as your manager of your ball club. No. With that being said, that this new person also should be experienced. Not as, not like Jace Tingler was, where he's a new new manager being thrown into a team with this much talent. Okay. I actually agree with you on both of those levels. Where, first off, about Bochi, the Padres have been there, done that. Bochi is, you know, he's aging. 
and he's already won his World Series with San Francisco. I think it's a weird pipe dream, and it's one of those things where it's not going to be as good the second time. The thing with Bochi is that he, as a manager on the Padres, always had a tendency to overperform with lesser players and lesser talent. And the one time they gave him a bunch of talent, he did make the World Series. So I think fans are kind of thinking about that being like, look, with this talent, Bochi could surely make the World Series. And I understand that maybe that Bochi would have wanted to do that. But I really don't think it's the right place to try to bring in Bruce Bochi one more time. The Padres in my lifetime actually had a lot of stability at manager. They had Bruce Bochi for a long time. Then they had Bud Black for a very long time. And then most recently with Preller, you've had um, Andy Green and now Jace Tingler, both in short stints, most likely, if Tingler is let go or fired at the end of the year. I agree with you 100% that the Padres need to get someone that Preller is not familiar with, someone that Preller is not already talking to in the organization. And I agree with you in that the Padres need somebody who is already established, somebody that knows how to deal with the clubhouse and personalities. I don't know who that is at the time. I was looking at some lists, and it's very hard to find managers and things of that nature. I Just being somebody who also kind of roots for the Orioles when the Orioles are decent. I know they had a manager named Buck Showalter that has some flaws, but he's a guy who has dealt with a lot of important personalities and a lot of different teams over the years, including a young Manny Machado um, in Baltimore. He's the only guy I can think of right now off the top of my head that'd be like, okay, he's an established manager. He's dealt with personalities. Maybe he'd be a good fit. And I'm sure... You know, if bad thing happens, we'll have plenty of time over the offseason to see who is being rumored to the Padres. But I think we're in agreement of who we don't want, which is uh, another of AJ's buddies or Bruce Bochy. So to flip it into a more positive note, again, I wanted to look at there's two weeks left in the season. Who is winning the Cy Young races in the respective leagues? and the MVP races. So first, let's uh, start off by looking at the Cy Young race. Who do you want to talk to first, uh, AL or NL? I let's look AL. at AL. Yeah. So, Omar, I I initially brought up the ESPN, uh, because when you look for it, ESPN Cy Young predictor is the first one up there, Google results. But you mentioned something. Um, really important about the e uh the espn rankings that we need to take a grain of salt with yes so the espn rankings uh if why i can tell uh i forget what the exact uh formula is uh i believe baseball bits uh foolish baseball great great youtube channel uh, has made a video on this sort of uh cyan predictor Uh, i believe it's his felix hernandez video if you're interested basically this type of predictor heavily takes wins into account of who could possibly win because you know back in the day wins 
and losses were, you know, a very important factor in who wins Cy Young. So if we look uh, here right now, so uh, the AL 2021 Cy Young predictor, Liam Hendricks, a relief pitcher, actually the closing pitcher of the Chicago White Sox, is leading the Cy Young race. It's very rare for a reliever to ever win the Cy Young. Yeah, very, very rare. And then under him, crazy enough, Rocio Iglesias of the Los Angeles Another Angels reliever. is in yeah. second place. Third place is Garrett Cole. Yeah, and so you know, not not in saying that either man is necessarily untalented. Just I feel the starting pitching probably just outsource them in the AL. So I. I could see them get Cy Young votes. I don't necessarily see a relief pitcher winning it. Just we're not in that environment right now. You know, like back in the day, you know, obviously we had some relief pitchers win Cy Young awards. But I feel like we're not in that sort of situation. I, right I, now. So, yeah. No, so. I agree with you. We also, um, I have a betting site up that does Vegas odds. Uh, they update it every day, I think, here. It's updated as of two days ago for the Cy Young. And just to show the disparity, Garrett Cole was number three on the MLB, the ESPN Cy Young race, and he's number two here. So that's not a big difference. But Robbie Ray is leading the AL Cy Young odds on this uh, Vegas site where he is all the way at number five on the ESPN site. Then you have Lance Lynn in number three, and he is at number eight. It's just a big there's there's a big difference here between the ESPN odds and then a Vegas site here that we're using. Yeah. So it's it's like really who do you think should win? Because I'm not sure which one we should really take a lot there with. Wins a starting pitcher and saves. You know those those are important stats, but at the same time, it's been proven that there's other important things. You know. Yes. So if we look at the AL Cy Young, the top three in the Vegas odds right now, Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn. Uh, if we were to take those three, who do you think should win it? I'm biased here because Robbie Ray is on my fantasy team that got eliminated mm-hmm. um, in the playoffs. I would vote. You do, you do all that work just to get eliminated. Yes. Uh, at least I made the playoffs. Sure. Robbie Ray, I would choose. I would I would order it Robbie Ray, Lance Lynn, then Garrett Cole because maybe I'm biased. I'm not looking at their stats right now. I I'm not a fan of the Yankees, and then the Yankees have not been doing as well as Toronto or the White Sox. They're not in the same position. That doesn't matter for the Cy Young, but I'm taking it into account because I have biases and I'm admitting them. <laughs> so I'd agree. On the top three, and that's his score as well. I believe Robbie Ray, he really came under the radar uh, for AL Cy Young re- voting. Because, you know, for me, it was like, I felt like Lance Lynn was always kind of like yeah. up there. But I didn't really know anybody else. But Robbie Ray really sh- start, it was really started to shine second half. And I feel like he can pull it off. Uh, Lance Lynn, I think, is very good. It's just going to depend on if Robbie Ray can continue his hot streak. And also, you know, if the Blue Jays are able to keep their wild card spot. Right now, the AL wild card is just as intense as the NL, uh, arguably more so. 
but that's a different story. Uh, as for Garrett Cole, I feel like, while you know, while there's argument too, he he's been good this season. He's had a lot of down spots. You know, more most famously when the sicky ban mm-hmm. happened, very he went down very fast. Uh, he's been able to bounce back, obviously, but I feel like that's gonna hurt him. You know, when it comes time to like actually vote. Okay, uh, yeah. moving on. So the NL one is the most egregious in terms of the ESPN tracker in terms of wins. Uh, let me just find their odds. The ESPN uh, Cy Young predictor yeah. was making me nauseous because they have Max Scherzer listed on Washington, but we know where he's playing right now. They have Julio Urias as number two, and they have Walker Bueller as number three. So they have three Dodgers as the three Cy Young candidates as far as um, the National League is concerned. Yes. So, but here's also where it's kind of messing up. So Julio Urias, uh, I I will say he's having a very Mm -hmm. good year. Uh, He currently leads the whole league, I believe, in terms of wins. He is 18-3. and in his win-loss, which is, you know, e- even though wins are kind of not as respective as stat lately, that's, so, you know, kind of impressive. He's technically only lost three times, if you want to just be basic about it. But if you look at his, like, more in-depth stats, you know, in terms of earned runs, Max Scherzer right now has only given up 39 earned runs. Julio Urias keeping up 60. You know, Max Scherzer is at 226 strikeouts, Julio Urias is, on, is only at 185. You know, uh, ERA Scherzer is at 2.8. Urias is 3.10. Or, you know, hell, if you want to compare it to uh, Walker Buehler, Walker Buehler has only given up 56 earned runs, has struck out 196 batters, and has a 2.58 ERA. So, you know, in this ESPN stat tracker, uh, Julio Urias is very much... Uh, being inflated based on his win loss, I feel. Oh, definitely. I don't think he belongs as the uh, Cy Young winner. I think. Yes. I think the Vegas site we're looking at is probably a bit closer there. It still has two Dodgers in the top three, with Scherzer as number one, and then Bueller's number three it has Corbin Burns, who's been amazing for Milwaukee, a thorn for the Padres for sure, at number two. I think Scherzer should win it, um, in my opinion. And he's number one on both, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to point out Joe Musgrove is in top 10. Uh, he has 10,000 odds to win mm-hmm. it. And, well, I love Musgrove he, this year. I, I will say he's been our breakout pitcher. <laughs> Probably not Unless he has him. two more no-hitters. <laughs> or a perfect game and a no-hitter. He's not winning it, no. Yeah. But Scherzer in the second half has, you know, he's just been another another kind of monster. You know, uh, most recently against Padres, he almost perfect game us. He's uh, very close. <laughs> and, is. And, and, which is also the same game he reached the 3,000 strikeout mark and threw an immaculate It was awful. Inning. It was it was awful yeah. to be on the other he, side of that. He's, he's scary. He, that's the uh, way of saying it, yes. <laughs> Corbin, Corbin Burns, and honestly, I'll, I'll also mention uh, Brandon Woodworth. Woodruff, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers have had a very good rotation. Mm-hmm. 
throughout the whole year. You know, say what you will about the Dodgers, who also have a very good rotation. They've also had their ups and downs. You know, obviously, uh, Trevor Bauer, you know, he had to go, he had to leave, go through that whole thing. The Dodgers were forced to throw a few bullpen games because, you know, they lost a starting pitcher. And even though they traded for Scherzer, they still had to, like, throw bullpen games and stuff. So their rotation hasn't been at full strength. No, I'd they, argue for a most they had a lot of problems earlier in the year. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Milwaukee, I I will definitely say, is the best starting rotation in baseball yes. right now. Yes. And, you know, Corbin Burns as their ace is a testament to that because, you know, he's been absolutely insane. Uh, Walker Bueller, for a, mo- for a moment, I felt like he was definitely the, Cy- you know, the like top Cy Young candidate. Started to drop off a bit, so you know. I, in terms of like how great Scherzer mm-hmm. has been in the second half, how great Corbin Burns has been mm-hmm. the whole year, Bueller might not be getting it. So, the you reminded me here at the beginning of the year, there were two pitchers in my opinion that were just far and away better than everyone else. Jacob Degrom, of course, was number one, and he, due to injury, has not been. He's not really going to qualify here. But the number two pitcher, I thought, in my opinion, was Kevin Gossman. He had amazing start after amazing start in the first half of the year. And he's dropped here to the bottom half of these odd makers. He's just below Joe Musgrove. And I thought he was amazing. And he's been healthy the whole year pretty much. But he has just not been quite as good in this back half of the year. Yeah, uh, two others I'd like to also throw in would be uh, two pitchers from Philadelphia, uh, Aaron Nola and Zach mm-hmm. Wheeler. Uh, you know, both at a time, you know, were considered a top Cy Young candidate, but have also kind of fallen off. Um, Gosman, uh, same same situation. Just he was very good, and then just kind of like regressed a little bit. You know, there's arguments we made like you know he's still a good, good pitcher, and you know, obviously his team right now is you know leading the NL West, uh, you know, top seed of the NL race or whatever. Jacob deGrom, uh, I said it back then, I'll say it now, uh, if, he, if he stayed healthy, run away sight. Run away, yeah. If, if, he, if he kept the same form he did in the first half, MVP. Straight up. For sure, I don't think anyone is going to argue against that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting. In the National League, I would have to go with Scherzer, though, like I said. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, uh, ranked top three, uh, I'd go with the, how the Vegas odds have it right now, Scherzer, Burns, and Bueller. I just want to say Adam Wainwright is too old, and Scherzer's too old to be pitching that well. There's, It's crazy, man. That they, they, they have both been pitching ever since I've been watching baseball, I feel like. And they're they're still pitching amazing, um, so that's you know a testament to sports science, and you know whatever else you want to say <laughs> about what guys are doing nowadays. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, two outliers I want to mention before we move on. So in the ESPN tracker, Mark Melanson, the closer pitcher for the San Diego Padres, is ranked ninth in Cy Young voting. Uh, well, while I feel like he will definitely receive some plaudits for being a very good reliever, you know, I don't know how many, I don't, maybe Josh Hader will probably get the Trevor Hoffman award, either, you know, Hader or Melanson, depending how they feel. But, you know, just something to look at. And then in the AL Cy Young, Shoei Otani 
is eight, which is kind of mm. interesting. Okay, that that is going to come into play in a second here. Um, Literally in a second, <laughs> we're about to talk about it. But right before I do that, I just want to say that I'm very thankful as a Padres fan that they named those uh, awards very recently, like five years ago. They they decided to say, you know, it's not just the reliever of the year is the trevor hoffman reliever of the year in the american league you have mariano rivera and of course padres fans love trevor hoffman the american the national league batter of the year uh award is the tony gwynn award there so so the padres even though they've been historically insignificant over the broader span they have the best contact hitter in National League history and the best closer in National League history. So she was I saw I saw a thing. I think so Jesse Agler, uh the play by play for the radio mm-hmm. broadcast, uh he had, you know, posted on his Twitter about, you know, congrats to Tatis for getting the for, for getting 40 home mm-hmm. runs, you know. He's only the fifth Padre player to ever mm-hmm. do that. Uh, and, you know, all I see in the comments of like, oh, you know, it's going to be insignificant, you know, because like, all everyone's going to remember is the Padres missing out in the playoffs or whatever. Or, you know, who cares about individual awards win the World Series? You know, just normal Twitter short and yeah. that no one cares about. But it got me thinking, you know, uh, I also saw something earlier today that's just like, oh, Padres are known for like having very few people who like, you know, made their mark in the mm-hmm. baseball world. But even but even with that argument, you know, if you look at arguably the two top, the two most beloved figures in franchise history right now, Tony Gwynn and Trevor Hoffman, you know, they're also considered to be some of the best players, you know, the MLB's ever had. You know, Tony Gwynn, uh, famous for just being an ap- absolute great contact mm-hmm. hitter. You know, like, uh, what's that famous quote, that fucker Tony Gwynn? By Craig Maddox, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'll do this, uh, and I can do this, and I can get everybody out, except for that effort, Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, Trevor Hoffman, you know, at one point uh, had the record for most saves in MLB history. Uh, you know, and, you know, you can you make a great argument that he's, at the very least, you know, the second best reliever all of time. all time. Yeah, there's, there's no one, yes. I think, that would be able to argue that he wasn't at least second best. I don't think anybody would put him as number one, given given probably Mariano. I'm biased. I'm biased, but yeah. probably not. But he's he's number one in the National League and number two overall, which is yeah. amazing. Given so, you know, how you know, I know closers haven't been around as long as other positions because it wasn't a role that was initially established. But still, there have been you know probably thousands of closers by this point. So for us to have the number one guy in the National League is pretty amazing. Really quick, before we get on to a new topic, I want to say this because you brought up Fernando Tatis hitting 40 home runs and being one of the first, you know, he's on a very short list here. I actually went to Baseball Reference to look it up, to look it up. And do you know who the number one home run hitter in a single season is? For the San Diego Padres. Mm. I'm thinking. I'm probably okay. thinking. I'm trying to go with the list of names that I do recognize for the part. Like I said, I'm a. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the year. year. 1998. Uh-huh. 
uh, what's no? So that's not Ken. Ken, I can't Cavanity? pronounce his name. No, because yeah, because he won MVP. He won four. It was ninety six. He won the MVP and he had forty home runs. Yes. Yeah, so not, yeah, not him. That. Who played ninety? Caminiti was in ninety eight, but he didn't get fifty home runs like this guy did. This guy is the only Padres player. Did Did Gary Sheffield play in ninety eight? He did not. He did not. Okay. I I'm think. Not sure if uh, you even know who this player is. If I'm being completely honest. I might, I might recognize the name, but honestly, I'm, uh, I'm shooting blanks His right now. His name was Greg Vaughn. Greg Vaughn. Okay. When, when I was first getting into baseball, there was a player named Mo Vaughn. I think they were related. I never really got to see too much of Greg Vaughn because 98 was even before my time, really. I was like four years old. But Greg Vaughn is the only Padres player to hit 50 home runs in their mm-hmm. World Series season of 1998. And when you look at the Padres' home run hitters, it's very interesting because after that 50, there's nobody until 41, which is Phil Nevin, a player that I did grow up watching. And then you have three players at 40, Ken Caminiti, Adrian Gonzalez, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Which brings me to my next hope. There are 10 games left here. I want Fernando Tatis to hit two home runs. (laughs) <laughs> because that would put him as number two all time with 42. Yeah. Number two all time on the Padres single season home run list. And another, one last interesting thing I'll say is that the Padres here, Adrian Gonzalez is here at 2009 and 2008, his seasons in the top 10 of home runs, single season home runs. There was nothing in there between 2009 and 2021. No other Padres uh, on this list at all. So it shows you it's wild. They haven't had much home run hitting recently. <laughs> but I'm glad Tatis yeah. is on this list, and I, I hope he gets two more. We're gonna talk about him very soon, but first I wanted to go over the AL MVP. So there's so let's talk about the first mm-hmm. guy. Now he he's someone I called this from the beginning. I should have put money on you it. You should have, because I should have. I would have won a lot. Shohei Otani is right now by Vegas odds the favorite to win the twenty twenty one. By AL quite MVP. a distance as well, too. Behind them, hitting for a triple crown right now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Correct. I I think it's really interesting because with with um, Shohei Otani, it's like I almost want to give him the award just for how much of an impact he has on the game himself itself. Like like you mentioned, mm-hmm. he was in the top ten for the AL Cy Young on that one list. The Angels mm-hmm. obviously are not the best team in the world, so it's not like he's just getting boosted by everyone else around him. He's literally carrying the team through a lot of these games on both sides of the plate, which is something that is, you know, unheard of before he did it this year. And I want you'll never see you'll never see Mike Trout uh, throw a pitch for 100 miles per hour. Is what I'll say. <laughs> and it's like Vlad Guerrero Jr. His story is so cool as well because, of course, 
Uh, his dad is a Hall of Fame player, and now he's an amazing young player for the Blue Jays who are going to have a good shot here to make the playoffs. Great team around him, and he's had an amazing year. But I think no way in hell do you let anyone besides Shohei Otani uh, win that MVP there. I'm also just going to say on one of these lists, uh, this the one that says sports betting, it lists like 10 different guys, even though they're all like plus 20,000 when you start getting at the end there. We have we have Baltimore Orioles, Cedric Mullins at plus 20,000. And I am not sure what would have to happen in these next 10 games for the AL MVP to be from the last place Orioles. <laughs> That'd be Mullins, interesting. <laughs> Mullins might be the best contact hitter, just like getting on base in the American League. Like, you know, he's not Tony Gwynn, but he, he hits a lot of singles. He gets on base. And he's a very good player. So I just wanted to shout him out. Give Otani the trophy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to have to double down. <laughs> Show you Otani. Like, like Vladimir Guerrero, I he will win an MVP. You know he'll he'll repeat what his it's dad. It's not his time yet. You know he will have his time. <laughs> it it just so happens he's hitting for a triple crown the same year Babe Ruth returned the to baseball. Same year Japanese <laughs> Babe Ruth is here. <laughs> yeah, and you know also also it's what it's also just one of those things that's like kind of a novelty sake. You know, like the first two way player to win MVP. I, I guess, you know, Babe Ruth kind of, eh. but even, you know, Babe Ruth primarily, if he was pitching, he primarily did that. If he was hitting, he was primarily did that, you know, yeah. Joey Otani's doing something that uh, quite honestly, you could say has never been done before. It's so crazy too, because the, the timing of everything, you know, I, I don't want to stray into this too far, but we've talked about the baseball video game, um, MLB the show and MLB the show, you know, I know you can talk a lot more about this, but they went all in on the idea of a two-way player. Just for this year, for the first time, you could be both a pitcher and hitter as the same player. And, mm -hmm. you know, Otani had all these expectations on him throughout his young career so far. And he has just excelled amazingly this year to heights that I don't think anyone could have in their right mind predicted. It's amazing. You know, what's funny about uh, these two, uh, Guerrero Jr. and Otani, is that both were seeing, you know, that they could have a good season, you know, because 2019, 2020, while they were good for them, it wasn't, you know, necessarily like, you know, oh, you have the son of a former MVP and you have this Japanese import, so much high expectations didn't necessarily meet them right away. This year, they've exceeded them. Oh, yeah. As far as young players, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and Fernando Tatis Jr. are both kind of, in my opinion, holding up like a a huge torch is already doing so amazing and exceeding expectations. Speaking of Fernando Tatis Jr., let's look at the National League. Yes. So right now on Vegas betting, Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies is leading the MVP, NLMVP odds with Fernando Tatis Jr. behind yes. him. 
So we're gonna be we're probably gonna be biased Extremely. on this. Uh so what do you think about Tatis' chance? I was warning you about a month ago. And you mm-hmm. you didn't want to hear it. I think you I didn't want to hear it. it. I was warning you a month ago. Hey, at the time I saw Joey Votto coming up on these uh ML MVP odds, NL MVP odds, and he has you know cold he has gotten a lot colder as the Reds have gotten colder. But I was like, hey, you know, Tatis has had some injuries, he hasn't been as amazing recently. I'm like, they're catching up to him, and you, you didn't want to hear it. But the no. Padres padreing recently. Now that's pod that's padressing. Um that has led to Tatis being overtaken here. And if the Phillies make the playoffs and the Padres don't, and Harper does pretty well here his last 10 games, I think Harper will probably win it. Um, looking at the list, they have Max Muncy, Juan Soto, Freddie Freeman, all, all having outside looks at it, but it's basically Harper or Tatis. And if the Padres miss the playoffs and the Phillies make the playoffs, I think that's going to affect people's overall view of these players, even though it's an individual award. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So, I'm going to talk about both, mm-hmm. guys, just individually. Tatis Jr., you know, he's had injury scares, playing different positions. Uh, uh, being unhappy, you know, shouting with Machado, which turned out to be a whole lot of nothing. But, you know, at the same time, he, like, sure, you could say, like, what, 16 errors will hurt his chances. I agree. He hasn't been the best defensively. But, you know, at the same time, he has made those plays. You know, you, so you can't say he's entirely a bad defender just based on errors because you're not looking at deeper statistics. And then again, there's probably going to be someone like, oh, if you look at the deeper statistics, he's also very bad. Uh, but in, t- in terms of hitting, you know, Tatis is quite legitimately one of the best batters in the in the NL. You know, uh, he had an on what non-plate percentage uh, or on-base percentage, whatever the set statistic is, of 1,000 for like a good chunk of the season. Uh, and you know, he's leading the NL in home runs right now. He like. Like we just talked about, he's like the fifth Padre in history to hit 40 home runs. And, you know, if things went a little bit differently this year, he could have been the first player since who, Matt Kemp, right? Uh, to hit 40, 40 and 40? Mm, I'm not sure about that, but... No, Matt Kemp went 30 for Matt 30. Matt Kemp went 30 and 30. Or 30, 30. He already... Not 40 and 40. Last player hit 40 40 was Soriano? Hmm. i to look it up here. What's Tatis at right now? Tatis is at... Tati, uh, I think he's at 25. He's at 40 30. and 25. So he's not going to yeah. get 30-30. Probably not. I think he could do it in his career for sure to get 30-30. 40 that, That's 15 more stolen bases. That's a lot more. He can do it. I mean, if he, he like, if he like <laughs> sets out I'm going to do this, then yeah, but I'm not sure if he's ever going to do that. It, well, I feel like he can do it once in his career, maybe. Maybe once. 
The last player to get 30-30 was 2018. There were two of them. Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. Um, looking down this list here, if I can find a 40-40, I don't see any. And obviously a 30-30 would be a 40-40. Uh, as someone who qualifies for 30-30 would also be a 40-40. Okay, Alfonso Soriano of the New York Yankees did it in 2002. 39 home runs and 41 stolen bases. Uh, 1998, uh, the year of the bat, there were actually two 40-40s, and it was that one time. And according to this list here, it has never happened again. Um, they were both 1998 uh, famous players. I'll just give them to you. A-Rod and Jose Canseco of the Oakland A's. A-Rod was on the Seattle Mariners at the time. Uh, one of his first years in the majors. He, I didn't know he ever hit 40 home runs for the Mariners. I thought he was... Your, your list might be flawed because I'm seeing right now. And it's saying right here on Google. Um, Alfonso Soriano was the last player to do it in 2006 with the Washington Nationals. Okay. Yes. Well, then. Tangent aside, Tatis <laughs> has a chance to go for it 30 for 30. You know, absolute monster for the bag. You know, absolute ma- monster. Let me say that again. Absolute monster with the bat. And yeah, he's done great. Just cons- even with like, Injuries burst throughout the season. He's just, imp- I feel like as this whole season, he's done pretty good. So, uh, Bryce Harper, he, um, for- he started off a little bit shaky because of in- injury. But honestly, once that was over and really once the second half started, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people like to trash on Bryce Harper because they feel like he's overrated, overpaid, or whatever. I disagree. He is on, on any given day one of the best players in the MLB. And, I hate I hate to honestly say it because I really want Tatis to win the MVP, and I, I honestly God I feel like one day he will. I have to give it to Bryce Harper this year. I think it's really interesting because um, it's not Manny versus Bryce Harper, but everybody was talking about Manny versus Bryce Harper because you know two years ago both the Phillies and Padres made big moves to get you know a superstar to their teams. And it was viewed that, okay, Manny had a slow year, but then overall he's a much better player. Uh, he's he's earning that contract a lot better than Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's had, I think, two low below average for him years as a start to the Phillies. People are trashing the contract, and all of a sudden he's put together an amazing year back to form, which for him is an MVP-level player. and. Like I said before, I don't want him to win. I want Tatis to win, but I, I'd have to say that he has the edge right now for good reason. Mm-hmm. Now, now if Tatis goes thirty for thirty, thirty for thirty, I keep saying I keep want to say thirty for thirty. Oh, <laughs> uh, really quick, if you click on that link, it actually did have it correct. It was me, user error. I was looking at American League, and there's a National League section below. That uh, does show Alfonso Soriano. There's a, there's a National League? That's crazy. <laughs> Still, though, American League American, American League goes back to 1998, and Alfonso Soriano did it with the Yankees. 
So technically speaking, he's the last player no, in both no. the American League. No, in the in, in the American League, the last one was uh, those guys Canseco and Rodriguez in '98. Uh, okay. The last one for the National League was in '06. Oh, yeah. Soriano, uh, you said he went. He almost went forty and forty. He, he almost, just got he almost got forty and forty in both leagues. He was one home run away from getting forty forty in the American League as well. Didn't Matt Kemp? He was also like one home run or one stolen base away from forty and forty. Let me see here. Now that I know that there's a National League, yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. Uh, uh, Matt yeah, Kemp. It looks like in 2011 went 39 and 40 as well. That yeah, might be well. well uh, good, good thing he didn't get it. <laughs> no, Padres legend Matt Kemp. <laughs> oh, more like a uh, fat Kemp. Am I right? <laughs> Basically. Hey, hey, there's only two players to hit for the cycle in Padres history. Will Myers and Jake Cronenworth. All right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll have more in the future, but that's who we got right now. But yeah, that's unfortunately, you know, Tatis, I think if he finishes second, maybe that'll push him just a little harder next year. And it'll push the team a little harder next year. Let's be hopeful. Padres have 10 games left. Let's hope they make it count. Omar, is there anything else uh, we should let the viewers, listeners know it was most likely our last recording of the season? Uh, so the Padres are going to go 10 for 10 and wins. And Tatis is going to hit a home run in every at-bat. Yes. And, and then, and then, then he'll, he'll also like bunt every other at-bat and then like steal as many bases as he can to then get 40 and 40. And we'll also make him like a We'll make him the manager, interim manager. <laughs> no, we'll make Manny the interim manager. I feel like Manny... Manny is the interim manager right now. You think he's... So, actually, there's kind of one thing I want to bring up, kind of like off script mm-hmm. from what we have, at least on our guideline or uh, table context or whatever we want to call it. You think Manny Machado is the captain or should be the captain? I think it's clear that he is. Because there's been all these things about how he and Tatis have like a relationship where he's showing him the ropes. And the thing is, for Manny, obviously he's that veteran figure for Tatis. And if he can use that to work with the other young players like Kim and, you know, other young players the Padres have, like Cronenworth, Kim, some of these other guys that haven't been in the majors too long, if that's working then Manny for sure is the leadership. If it turns out that he's just doing that with Tatis, which is the only player that I've really seen him do that with, um, or I've heard him do that with, obviously we have no idea, then he wouldn't be the clubhouse leader. He's a leader, but he's not the clubhouse leader. I think it's proof uh, that it's not Hosmer, even though everybody always tries to say, well, Hosmer's a leader. Um, that very, very small minority of people, it gets smaller and smaller every time. Um, I don't know if the Padres do have a leader in for the whole clubhouse. I'm not sure if Manny can be that guy for the whole team. I hope he is, but I'm not sure. You think uh, the city will throw a parade once Hosmer leaves? Generally, yes. It, <laughs> it depends on what they get back for him, because if, True. if they throw him away right now and you know, they have to give up a whole bunch of stuff for it, then it's still going to, you're still going to feel that for a while. You know, that's a, that's a, like a hospital bill. You're, you're still feeling it. And I'm not sure that Padres fans are 
going to enjoy feeling that. So uh, um, what you're saying is we should make Hosmer the new manager. If you if you want to pay him to be manager, <laughs> I don't I don't know how much worse it could get right now. Let's let's just do it and see what happens. Uh-huh. And with that, <laughs> as they would say on Top Gear, on that bombshell, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna unless there's anything else. Is there anything else you'd like to let them know, uh, Omar? Uh, ten for ten. Tati is hitting a home run. Okay. Yes. I'm not going to do the full thing. Padres, you need to win. By the time this is posted, you'll probably have lost again, and you'll need to win more games. Uh, maybe in the last nine, you'll still need to win ten. Who knows? Just just win. You know, mm-hmm. Do the thing, hit the bat, and do the pitch good. Just don't lose. Just don't lose. Thank you for listening to this episode. It is probably weird. Good night.